You're listening to the Calm and Cozy Podcast, a show about rest, finding relief from insomnia, and appreciating sleep as the ultimate act of self-care and self-love. I'm your host, Sleep Coach Beth, author of the Calm and Cozy Book of Sleep, and as a sweet listener once called me, your sleep fairy godmother. Welcome back. This episode is all about death, so buckle up, it's going to be fun. This episode also contains a few swear words because I'm feeling feisty. I do want to take a step back from sleep topics this week and talk about what's going on in my own life, how I'm handling grief and loss, and the valuable lessons I've learned about support. More specifically, how to show support for people you care about without writing and rewriting awkward text messages or baking pies for days that just won't get eaten. So just a quick sad recap. I've lost a few people recently. Last winter, my Uncle John, whom I was very close to, passed away after a lifelong struggle with some health problems, but more recently from complications of a heart surgery. A few months later, my Uncle Greg passed away after a three-year struggle with brain cancer. A few months after that, Jake's dad had a massive heart attack that took him suddenly. And about a month ago, my dad was diagnosed with aggressive brain cancer. I know, it's a lot. I'm so grateful for my support system, a small group of people I trust with my every emotion on any given day. I'm also grateful that I can take part in virtual therapy sessions with a professional during this time as well. It's so important for me to be able to process everything that I'm feeling with the guidance of someone who can properly monitor my mental health and make sure that I'm okay. I'm fortunate to be a self-proclaimed expert in both rest and self-care because I need both of those right now and I'm practicing both of them daily. I take a lot of breaks. I let myself feel my emotions. I spend time and relaxing hobbies that I enjoy. I get enough sleep at night. The other day, my mom and I were talking about the overwhelming acts of love and support that she's received since my dad's scary and sad diagnosis. Every person who reaches out is so appreciated, and it's touching to see how many people love my dad and want to let him know that they're thinking about him and praying for him. It got me thinking about the lessons that I've learned through my own grieving process and how it's helped me to be a stronger support system for the people in my life. I've broken them down into four sections because this is a podcast and I want you to feel like you're learning something. The four sections are when you want to say something, when you want to do something, when you just want to check in, And when you just don't know. So let's start at the beginning, which I think is perhaps the most important one. When you want to say something. I'm so sorry works in every situation. I could just end this episode here because that's actually the only thing that you need to say. When you don't know what to say, when you can't find the words, when everything else just feels like it's not enough, I'm sorry is perfect. When you want to say more, 
Speak from your own experience sparingly and carefully. If you've gone through something similar, I think it's okay to offer some helpful words based on your own story. It is comforting to know that someone that you care about has gone through the same thing and they found help or that there are things that work for them that can work for you and that there is hope. But don't let your story diminish theirs. And never assume that their story will end like yours did. Offer a few words of support without making it about you. My Uncle Greg was my dad's older brother. He had a brain tumor removed. And then the following year, when the tumor had grown back, he was confined to a wheelchair and on a respirator after the surgeon made a small but critical mistake while trying to remove the tumor. It was shocking to us to find out that not even a year after he had passed away, his brother, my dad, also had a brain tumor. A few weeks after the tumor was removed, my dad was diagnosed with glioblastoma, which is the most aggressive form of brain cancer. And if you're a Canadian, you'll know Gord Downey, who is the lead singer of the Tragically Hip. He also had glioblastoma. After my cousin, Uncle Greg's son, had heard about my dad's brain tumor, he called me to see how I was. I knew it must have been tough for him to relive that bad news that he had received a few years earlier with his own dad. He told me that he knew what I was going through and that if I needed to talk, I could call him. He also shared a story with me about one of the ways that he dealt with his dad's diagnosis and it got us both choked up. Sharing his own experience with me was touching and helpful and it made me feel like I wasn't alone. He didn't tell me how to feel or what to do or try to give me any sort of advice or false hope. He was just there and wanted me to know that he was there. Avoid overly positive or happy-go-lucky quotes that will dismiss fears and emotions. It's normal for people to temporarily feel like the world is crashing down on them. And nobody wants to hear that God never gives us more than we can handle at the scariest moment of their life. Don't throw your silver lining at a grieving person and expect it to fix the situation. There will be time for that later. Avoid giving advice. Just be there. When I first told my best friend since childhood what was happening with my dad, her response was a text message that simply read, Oh, fuck. Wow. And, you know, that was the perfect response because that's how I felt too. If you want to offer some encouraging words, please avoid dismissive things like, It'll be fine or don't worry. And please, for the love of all that's holy, don't say it is what it is. In my opinion, it's better to say nothing at all or just send a hug emoji. Last summer, I wrote an Instagram post about it is what it is that I want to share with you now. I have always hated the saying, it is what it is. A number of years ago, I was let go from my job. The company was cutting costs, and I was told my position as office manager and receptionist was redundant. The HR woman who was brought in to fire me kept pushing that floral Kleenex box towards me, and I kept pushing it away because I wasn't going to cry. In the weeks that followed, 
ex-coworkers were sending me photos of the office going to shit in my absence, which I admit brought me great joy. Turns out the person who keeps every moving part and machine stocked and running smoothly is kind of important. The evening when I went back to the office to collect my things from my desk, my boss, whom I liked and respected, carried the box to my car. He placed it in the back seat and turned to me and shrugged. It is what it is. I've never wanted to punch someone in the face so badly. I had just lost my full-time source of income and I was standing in a dark, empty parking lot. How about, I'm sorry this is happening. To me, in that moment, it is what it is, was the equivalent of, oh well, deal with it. It felt cold and insensitive. Since that moment, I've never said the words, it is what it is, to anyone who's struggling, especially when a heartfelt, I'm so sorry, would suffice. If we even want to keep it is what it is in circulation, we need to add a comma but. It is what it is, comma, but I believe you can move past this. It is what it is, comma, but let me know how I can help. It is what it is, comma, but in another six years, you'll be a sleep coach with a podcast and a book, and this will be a story you tell your Instagram followers. Okay, that last one, I know it's a little far-fetched, but you get where I'm going with this, right? Accepting that awful things happen to good people for no reason is the first step, but don't let that be the end. Embrace the comma but, friends. Since I'm already on the subject of things people say that I don't like, telling someone, if you ever need anything at all, is a little weird, especially when it's coming from someone I barely know. So let's move on to number two. When you want to do something. All right, I have to say this carefully because I don't want to make it sound like offering kind words isn't appreciated, but don't over-promise when you know you're going to under-deliver. Don't say, call me anytime, day or night, if you know you turn your phone off at 9 p.m. Don't say, call me if you need anything at all. If you work 80 hours a week and barely have time to feed yourself, let alone do anything for anybody else. My recently widowed aunt says to remove if there's anything at all I can do from your vocabulary altogether. It's an overpromise. Are you really able to help with anything at all? Think about it. Unless you're home with nothing to do and no other responsibilities, it's unlikely. When asked if there's anything they can do, my mom will tell Wilbishers to send chocolate. To date, one person has obliged. Maybe two. I know she's being cute when she says it, but it's also a really simple request and proof that most people don't really mean that they'll do anything. Instead, try suggesting something. If there's something you can do that you know would be helpful, offer. If you live nearby and you drive by a grocery store on your way home from work every day, offer to pick up some groceries for them or do some gardening. Hey, I love baking. What's your favorite kind of pie? I'd love to make you something. If you don't live nearby, get creative. A friend of my mom's sent a meal to their house using Uber Eats. 
She said she wanted to buy them dinner, asked which restaurant in the neighborhood they love, and had it sent to their door. Also, if you're going to make a gesture of support, don't expect anything in return. Do the thing and then know that it was appreciated. A grieving person likely doesn't have the emotional bandwidth to send a novel in the form of a text message to everyone who sent flowers. Don't expect a handcrafted thank you card or a write-up in the community newsletter thanking you publicly for your generous gift. It came back to my mom in a recent conversation that a mutual friend sent a nice message and didn't hear back. Hmm, sorry. She was probably too busy shopping for all the organic groceries at all the healthy stores nearby, or making meals, or napping, or driving her husband to his daily chemo treatments, or answering the other 47 text messages she already receives in a day. It's not about you. You might get a response, you might get an emoji, or simply thanks. Allow the grieving person space and freedom to grieve in their own way. Not everyone wants to make 30 phone calls to share their devastating news. Or that person doesn't want to talk to you, they would rather message you. Don't take it personally. Show support with zero expectations. It's not about you. Next, when you want to check in, think of it more as a reminder that you're there for them instead of checking in on how they're doing. I know you mean well, but a grieving person constantly responding to messages asking how are you can be emotionally exhausting. Don't ask your friend who's hurting to relive her experience again and again. Instead, remind her that you're there. Hey, thinking about you with a little heart emoji is honestly a really touching reminder that doesn't ask your friend for any kind of commitment. Also, the first week of bad news is the craziest. People are bombarded with gifts and calls and visits, but shortly after, they're met with crickets. Remember your friend or loved one after the first week as well. They're still struggling two weeks, three weeks, four weeks later. I'm not saying you need to send weekly thinking about you messages eight years later, but don't think that time passing means everything is fine. Life goes back to normal for you, but that person will be grieving for a long time. I love talking about my Uncle John. His being gone doesn't mean that I don't have tons of memories and funny stories to share with people who haven't heard them yet. I don't want to forget the people that I've loved and lost. I want to talk about them. I want to share that person with people who didn't know them. My favorite question to ask someone who has lost someone they love is, what do you miss most about that person? That one question will bring up so many memories. So when you ask it, wait for the response and then go with it. Ask more follow-up questions. Just let them gush. Because people assume that we want to forget because the loss is too sad. And I tell you, most of us don't. Lastly, when you just don't know. Bottom line, if you don't know, ask. Now, can we talk about funerals and visitations? Way to make it more awkward, Beth. 
I've learned a lot about what not to do by watching other people at funerals. I really don't want to come across as judgmental or hurt anyone's feelings. Funerals can be pretty awkward and this is what I've learned to help make it a bit easier from a support standpoint. And I know not everyone will agree with me on all points, but here's what I've learned from my own experience. If the funeral is for someone you didn't personally know and you don't feel compelled to go, I don't think you should. Unless the person you're supporting has asked you to be there, sending flowers or a card or well wishes is fine. You'll know if your friend needs your support. Trust your gut or ask them. I don't think there's anything wrong with asking, could you use my support at the funeral next weekend? And then tell them how you feel about not wanting to be in the way or taking time away from their family. If it's your best friend and someone very close to them has died, sure, go and support her. If your coworker's uncle has passed away, I believe a card and a hug will suffice. Here's why. At my grandpa's visitation, I watched my aunt spend a lot of time at the back of the room talking to her coworkers who kept arriving one by one throughout the afternoon. At the front of the room were my aunt's siblings, two of the three coming from out of town, one from out of the country. Of course, my aunt appreciated her coworkers showing up to give her a hug, but she was going to see them on Monday. And lingering and consuming my aunt's attention took precious time away from the family members that she likely wasn't going to see again until the next funeral. If you feel like you should go, make the visit short and sweet. Or go with someone else so that you have someone to talk to and you're not sitting alone looking like you need your friend to babysit you. Make it about the support you're offering your friend, not about your friend making sure that you're okay. Remember, this isn't about you. It's also really lovely to receive cards and flowers from people. My family's best friends are the Lambs. We've known them since I was eight years old. They weren't able to make the trip to my grandpa's funeral, but seeing their names on the card at the front of the room was so touching. I cried when I saw their names. I felt their presence without them being in the room. I personally have never looked around the room at a loved one's funeral and wondered, where are all my friends from grade school? I don't want people showing up out of guilt at the celebration of my life. I want people who have lived life with me to be there because they love me and they have memories to share with each other. So if you feel that your presence is needed, do what you need to do. Otherwise, know that an in-person visit isn't the only way to show support and love. And after the funeral's done and the flowers have wilted and the text messages have stopped, your friend is still going to need you. Let's recap. Saying I'm so sorry works in every situation. Listen and hold space without giving advice or dismissing their feelings. Don't make it about you. Don't overpromise if you know you're going to underdeliver. Ask questions, make suggestions, don't be a dick. Thanks for listening. You're wonderful. 
come follow me on Instagram at sleepcoachbeth and tell me what you learned from this episode and share a story from your own life if you'd like. I love connecting with all of you. So until next time, sleep well and stay cozy. And to my mom who listens to my podcast every night as she falls asleep. Good night, mama.